0: Well, you can go ahead and grab your Bibles and uh, turn to the book of Acts. We're continuing in the, uh, the series of the book of Acts. We're kind of coming down the home stretch now, just a couple more weeks, and we'll be bringing this, this uh, study to a conclusion. We're going to be in Acts chapter 24. Did you bring your Bible today? Yeah? Let me see. How many got your Bible, or your device with an apple on it like that? You got to bring a Bible when you come to church. Why? you got to check out the preacher, make sure he's giving you the Word of God. Amen. Acts chapter 24, we're going to be in verses 22 through 25. It says, when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, when Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will make a decision on your case. So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for or visit him. Verse 24, And after some days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Today I want to talk to you about the peril of procrastination. Felix said, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. In his book, The Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis describes a challenge that Satan made to his horde of demons, saying, who will go to earth for me and prevent people from receiving the gift of salvation into their lives? He talks about how one demon stepped forward and said, I will go for you. And I will tell people that there is no heaven. The ruler frowned and replied, no, that will not do. For too many centuries, humanity has been told that there's a heaven. And our enemy, God, has given the Christians a book that talks about heaven and promises that it is a place free from death and tears and sorrow and pain. Just then a second demon glided forward and said, I will go, I know what to do? I'll tell them there is no hell. No, the ruler said, that will not do either. Their conscience convinces people that someday there must be a day of reckoning and a place where people come to terms with their sins. In fact, in that book I mentioned, the Christian's Bible, it has more to say about hell than about heaven. You could never convince them that there's no hell. Then, one dark spirit who had been lurking in the corner, stepped up and said, I will go. I know what to do. I will not tell people there is no hell. I will not tell people there is no heaven. I will simply tell them there is no hurry. This was the demon that the devil sent, and his name, C.S. Lewis says, is procrastination. And it brings us to Paul's encounter with Felix. We've been following Paul through the book of Acts. He conducted three missionary journeys, and uh, he was led by the Holy Spirit back to Jerusalem. And he was told by the, the Spirit that he would face chains and tribulations there. And that's exactly what happened upon arrival. Paul was attacked. He was assaulted, he was arrested, and here we see him being arraigned before Felix, the Roman governor of Judea, for the crimes for which Paul had been accused. And verse 22 says that he heard Paul, and in doing so, became more knowledgeable of the way. Now that term, the way, is a first century colloquial for the way of salvation in Christ. So when Felix heard and understood the gospel, he said, I'm not going to make a judgment on this matter right now, not until I hear the commander who arrested you. He said to Paul, not now, I'm not going to decide now, I'll wait until later. Can you say procrastination? procrastination. Then verse 24 says, after some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, sent for Paul, and heard him further concerning faith in Christ. And, and his, his conscious mind, he couldn't dismiss what he had heard from Paul. He had heard it a few days before, maybe a few weeks before, and he just couldn't get it out of his mind, this, this thing called the way, salvation through Christ. And he couldn't dismiss it. He had to hear more More about it. And and this is what the gospel does to us. Even though someone may not accept it right away, when when we hear the gospel, we are we are wired in such a way to be connected to God that we want to hear the truth concerning God. And the gospel has an effect on, on us. Some of you know what I mean. Amen. When you first heard the gospel, remember when someone shared the gospel with you and and you heard that gospel and you, you just couldn't dismiss it. You couldn't get it out of your mind. When you hear the gospel, it has an effect on you. I remember when I first heard the gospel. I mean, when it first came into my, my understanding and I truly grasped what it meant to be lost. That I was a sinner. That I had broken the laws of God. And that I was separated from God. And I was on my way to an eternity without God. And then I heard about Jesus, the Son of God, who died on the cross for my sins. And when I heard that, I couldn't get it out of my head. And I remember, after hearing that, going into my car and gripping my steering wheel and not really understanding everything and just saying to the Lord, I I, I said, God, I don't know you. I don't even know if all this stuff is real. But I remember praying this. As an unsaved, lost person, God, if this, if this stuff is real, don't let me die on my way home tonight. And when I got home, and I remember going into my, into my bedroom, and I remember I could not dismiss the message that I heard. And it was like the presence of God filled that room And the weight, the conviction of the Holy Spirit was so heavy upon me, I couldn't dismiss it. And so I didn't even have anybody there to pray for me or to explain things to me. I just asked God to come into my life. I asked Jesus to come into my life. And something happened to me in that moment that transformed me as a person. It was a transformational moment. And I woke up the next morning and I was completely free, completely transformed. No more craving pot, no more craving drugs, no more craving alcohol, no more craving the things of this world. I was completely and totally set free, born again through the grace of God. When you hear the gospel, you can't dismiss it. Felix, he he couldn't dismiss it. But what did Felix and Drusilla do when they heard the gospel preached? Felix said, go away. This is not a convenient time for us. We're not ready to receive Jesus into our life right now. We'll get back to you. We'll consider this further when Jesus fits better into our life, into our lifestyle, into our schedule, into our choices and what we value and what we want to do. Right now, Jesus doesn't fit into my life. So go away, and I'll call for Jesus when I have a more convenient time. Procrastination. It's helpful to understand here a little background on Felix to appreciate this fully. Felix, as I mentioned, was the Roman governor over Judea. The Romans occupied Palestine, Israel. And history tells that Felix was originally a slave and he was freed by Claudius, the emperor, and became one of of, uh, the infamous favorites of that emperor. In that capacity, he pandered to his master's vices. He was known to indulge the emperor in every lustful wish of that emperor's abominable heart. And through his illicit favor he had with the emperor Felix was promoted through the levels of of political advancement until he claimed the governorship of Judea and serving in that position Felix committed every act of extortion which was possible for him to commit and he became so corrupt that eventually the emperor Nero had to recall him back to Rome. And he would have been punished for his his crimes if it had not been for the influence of of his brother Paulus who managed to secure his release from punishment. And you can see, knowing this about Felix, how appropriate Paul's sermon was that he reasoned with Felix about righteousness. Felix was a crook. He was an extortioner. He was using his position and his authority to aggrandize himself. And Paul wisely selected righteousness, which righteousness basically is conformity to law, as a topic of his discourse with Felix. At the side of Felix was Drusilla. She's called his wife. She was Jewish. Drusilla was the daughter of Herod the Great, the granddaughter of that King Herod who murdered all those baby boys in Bethlehem trying to kill Christ. She was known for her extreme beauty, for her charm, her lavish dress. She was a a socialite. She was like a supermodel in Judea, admired as a, a celebrity, someone that we might consider Hollywood royalty today. And she had a history with men in high places. She had been engaged to to Gaius Antiochus, the first prince of Iran, or what we would know as Iran. But she left him, and she married Julius Azizus, who was the king, the priest king of Syria, until she deserted him to live with Felix and move in with him. And we can understand why Paul fixed his eye on Drusilla, And spoke directly about chastity and self-control, which seemed as a rebuke to them both for the way that they were living their lives. Now today, one would think, Paul, you you should use a little more discretion. These are celebrities. These are influential people. You should bring a more palatable, a more agreeable message, maybe to curry some favor with them. You don't want to offend such influential people. Perhaps if you would admire Felix, or maybe you would compliment Drusilla like everyone else does, maybe Felix would be lenient, maybe even dismiss the charges. But that's the problem with preachers. True preachers, not celebrity pastors who who play among the rich and famous. True preachers are like prophets who can't hold back when it comes to speaking truth, not just to power, but to the lost. True preachers, and not just preachers, anyone who has the truth in their heart, they cannot help but speak truth to lost people. To let lost people know where they stand with God and that there is a God who loves them and who has made a way for them to be saved from sin. Peter Cartwright, a a well-known Methodist preacher in the 19th century, was getting ready to preach to a very large church, and before he got into the pulpit, uh, a man approached him. One of the elders of the church came to him and said, Pastor, you need to know that President Andrew Jackson is in the audience, so make sure whatever you say is not offensive to the president. And so Cartwright said, well, thank you very much for letting me know that. And he got to the pulpit, and and Pastor Cartwright said, I've been told that Andrew Jackson is in this congregation, and I've been asked to uh, carefully guard what I'm going to say. So I I just want to begin (laughs) by saying that if Andrew Jackson does not repent of his sins, he will go to hell just like any other lost soul. And you could hear a pin drop. I don't think people amend and clap the way that you just did. But after the service, President Jackson actually walked up to Cartwright and said, you know what, if I had a regiment of men like you, I could whip the entire world. It's disheartening today to see popular pastors softened by their their celebrity status dulling the blade of the two-edged sword by refusing... To address sin directly and declare the peril that lost people have before the throne of a holy God. Listen, church, we are living in a day when we cannot hold the gospel back. Whoever you're with, wherever you are, whatever their status, a parent, a boss, a teacher, A little old lady walking her dog in the park, it doesn't matter. When God gives you an open door, preach the word. Tell people about a Savior who loves and a God who forgives and a throne before which every soul will stand and give an account for their life. Why should we be afraid? Why should we be intimidated? Let's be reminded that we are followers of Jesus Christ. You are a child of the living God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, equipped by His Word, energized by your faith, deputized with the anointing, surrounded by angels standing at at your side. You are, we are God's plan to reach this world. The The church, the local church is God's hope for the world. We are God's plan for saving this generation. Are you hearing me, church? We're the plan. We're plan A and there is no plan B. It's not a political platform. It's Listen, you know what's going to save this nation? It's not some, some political party. It's not some senator from Albany or some congressman from Washington, D.C. It's not Hollywood. It's not Netflix. It's not Facebook. It's not Instagram that has the hope for this world. You are, we are God's mouthpiece to this generation. And we have been put here for such a time as this. Let's not hold back. Let's not be afraid. I know, I, I I know that perilous times will come. That's what Paul told Timothy. I believe, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. I believe a storm is coming. I've been I've been saying that, I've been preparing you, I've been telling you, a storm is coming. And what we're seeing now with these shutdowns. And these mandates and these forced exclusions of the non-compliant, I believe, is a dress rehearsal for the persecution that is coming to those who follow Christ. All it takes is for our biblical convictions to be branded as bigoted, microaggressive hate speech. And watch, we will be outlawed and marginalized and unable to buy and sell and participate in society. Come on, did you really think that all this is about COVID? You, did you really think? Do you really think that the prince and the power of the air really cares whether or not you got a vaccination? That's not what this is about. This is a dress rehearsal. This is demonstrating how easy it is for government to shut down the personal freedoms of people. And if they'll do it, listen, if they'll do it regarding a virus, they can do it regarding our faith. Paul told Timothy in the last days, perilous times will come. A storm is coming. You can't stop the storm, but you can prepare yourself for it. You can prepare your soul for it. You can prepare Yourself to endure and to persevere and to not be so easily shaken when it comes. Amen? Yes. Don't let the enemy intimidate, manipulate, cause you to hesitate. Listen, start now. Amen. Come on, let's put some steel in our faith now. Right? We need steel in our faith now. Don't let the enemy intimidate us or cause us to hesitate. Stand up for Christ. Right? I don't care. I'm not talking about vaccinations. I don't care about. I'm talking about our faith and our walk with Christ. Some of us are very bold when it comes to masking or not masking. We're very bold whether it comes to vaccinations or not vaccinations. How about being bold with our faith for Jesus Christ? Amen. Stand up for Christ. Speak out for lost souls. Tell the world, tell friends, family, co-workers that Jesus is alive and see what God will do. It's time that we got our voice back, church. It's time that we got our testimonies back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, we get prayer requests for people that are sick and, and, and prodigals that are wandering and, and financial issues and all that stuff. But where are the prayer requests for lost family members whom we're sharing the gospel with who haven't come to Jesus yet? Where are those prayer requests? Where are the testimonies that say, I shared the gospel with a coworker and they came to Christ? Where are those testimonies? Where are those prayer re- Those are the prayer requests that we need. Those are the testimonies that we need. That demonstrates that we're out there doing the business of the Father, preaching the gospel to lost people. Wherever Paul was, whatever audience he had before him, it didn't matter if it was the governor of Judea or Herod the king or Nero himself. He would speak the gospel of Jesus Christ. He didn't share political opinions. He didn't care what party anyone was about. He didn't care none of that stuff. All he cared about is this. Do you have Jesus in your life? Are you saved? Amen. But let's be certain about the message that we're going to speak. Because we're living in a day when the Word is being watered down and sugar-coated with the more palatable pleasantries that the gospel has to offer. But Paul knew his audience. He knew that Felix and Drusilla were unsaved. They were lost. They were sinners who were doing what lost people do, living every moment of their life in the lust of the flesh. That's what lost people do. Amen? This is what the world around us does, right? Listen, don't don't get upset at sinners because they want to sin. Hello? Don't get upset at lost people because lost people do what lost people do. They sin, right? Don't be upset because the world wants to show sex all over TV and, and the internet and, and Netflix and social media. Don't get mad at the world because they have gay marriage, or, or they have pornography, or they have abortion or transgenderism. That's just lost, broken people doing what lost, broken people do. Don't get mad at the world for that. Some people say, well, you know, some people are just born that way. Yeah, lost. Broken. Like you and me just like you and me. We were born that way. Lost in sin, broken and dysfunctional. Amen? Until someone told us about a Savior who loved us despite the ugliness of our sin. And what happened when you heard that gospel? (laughs) Look at you now. Amen? Amen? Singing songs worshiping the Lord with your hands up in the air, shouting amen and hallelujah, who would have thought you'd ever be one of those Jesus fanatics? But look at you now. The gospel got into your soul and transformed your life. (laughs) You used to be a drunk. You used to be a druggie. You were hooked on porn. But then you heard the gospel, and now you're working security at the Mission Church or you're teaching boys in the Royal Rangers, or you're leading a connect group, or you're a deacon, or you're a pastor. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what the gospel does. But let's be certain, let's be clear about our message because we're living in a day when the message is being diluted. Paul knew you couldn't just tell, listen, he knew you couldn't just tell Felix and Drusilla Jesus loves you. Repeat this prayer after me. Notice he didn't do that. Notice that Paul went right for the jugular. You notice that? He went to a place that would convict their heart and turn them from sin. To bring them to an awareness that they have broken the laws of God and that they are guilty before God and that they need a savior to save them from judgment. He understood that, Paul, uh, that that Felix and Drusilla wouldn't truly grasp the good news until they first knew what? The bad news. And so often today, we step over the bad news because we don't want to make people uncomfortable and we don't want to offend anybody. And we step over the bad news and we go right to the good news. Right? And we just say, Jesus loves you, and Jesus just will accept you just as you are. Just pray this prayer. Yes, Jesus will accept you just as you are. But guess what? He loves you too much to leave you as you are. The gospel is about change. It's about repentance, right? And so they had to hear the bad news. So he reminded them of the law, righteousness. And how they had broken the law. He pointed out their inability to keep the law. It says he reasoned about them about righteousness and self control. So he told them, Here's the law, but the reality is you don't have the ability to keep the law. Why? Because you're a sinner. We're all sinners. Amen. Go ahead, look at the person next to you. They're a sinner. I know they look good today. I know they're all cleaned up, they got the perfume on, they did their hair all nice, got the makeup just right, but they're a sinner. Amen. Just like you're a sinner. Just like I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. We are unable to keep the laws of God. That's what Paul did. He, write, he reasoned to them about righteousness, self-control. And he said, the law of God, and you're unable to keep the law of God, but yet you're going to stand before God one day and be held account, be accountable for all the laws that you have broken. That's where he brought them, to the law, self-control, and to the throne of God. Amen. He told them what all of us who preach the gospel are supposed to do. Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, what? The judgment. So Felix and Drusilla heard this, that they were guilty of breaking the law, and they would one day give an account of their soul before God, And then tragically, it says that Felix was afraid. And he said, go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. He was afraid. The King James Version says he trembled. Rather than taking comfort in the gospel and understanding that even though God is a just judge, He's a loving Father. And He has made provision through Jesus Christ for our sins to be forgiven. All we need to do is receive Jesus into our life as Lord and Savior, and the forgiveness of sins will be ours through Jesus. But the Bible says Felix was afraid. He trembled. Why? Because he knew that he was not going to allow Jesus into his life. Revelation 3.20 says that Jesus stands at the door and knocks, but Felix knew he was not ready to open the door to Jesus. And so he sent Paul away, saying, When I have a more convenient time. In other words, I've got time, Paul. I don't want to receive Jesus right now. If I receive Jesus into my life from now, it's gonna crimp my style, man. You know, I, I got I got things to do, places to go, people to see, you know, I got a life to live yet. Jesus doesn't fit into my plans. If I let Jesus in, I'm gonna to have to break off some relationships. I'm gonna to have to stop, I'm gonna to have to start to stop going to some places and hanging with some people and watching some things and doing some things. Amen? Because Felix understood. Paul didn't let him. Paul made it very clear to him that when you receive Jesus into your life, it's not just one and done. It's not just one prayer and go on your merry way. When you receive Jesus, he becomes Lord of your life. Amen? And Felix is saying, Jesus, no way. I'm not ready to make Jesus my Lord. The problem, Felix, with that theory is you don't know how much time you got. Can I be real this morning? Can I be real with the Felixes who are among us today? The Drusillas who may be sitting here today? Many here today have heard the gospel and they know the truth and your response to the gospel is not to disbelieve you know God is real you you you're not denying the reality of a living God you you look at at creation at nature and you see God everywhere you see the anticipatory design in nature you see the beauty in nature you see the miracle of of all the biological wonders of of the world Your response is not to disbelieve. You believe that there's a God. And your response is not even to deny because you believe that Christ is real. You've seen the work that he's done in the lives of other people. You've seen the transformation that has occurred, maybe in in your wife or maybe in your husband or maybe in a parent or maybe in a child. So you're not denying that Jesus is real. No your response is not to, dis, to disbelieve. It's not to deny. Your response is instead to delay. Not today. It's too inconvenient. There are still some things that I want to do. With young people, they'll say, not today. I I want to finish high school. I want to have fun in high school. Or I want to have fun in college. Or I'm still young. I'm still, I'm single. I want to, you know, I don't want to limit my options. There's not enough good looking guys in the church. I need to be out in the world. Not enough good looking girls. I need to be out in the, right? And when I find somebody, when I get married, then that'll be more convenient, Right? Or I want, to finish, I want to get settled in my career first, right? I, I, need, to, I need to make my way up, up, the, up the ladder of, of, of promotion. I'm not ready yet for Jesus in my life. After my kids are grown, after I hit some milestones, maybe when I retire, that'll be the time. Let me just finish off building up my retirement. And when I retire, then I'll have time for Jesus. So we have plans for tomorrow, but I think we need to talk about today. Everybody say today. Because all we're promised right now is the minute that we're living right now. That's it. None of us is promised tomorrow. And if you were, God forbid, if you were to die today, do you know for certain that you have eternal life? Do you know for certain that you have eternal life? You might say, can anyone really know? Can anyone really know for sure? Oh yeah, absolutely. 1 John 5.13 says, These things were written that you may know that you have eternal life. And listen, if you don't know for sure, then you need to get that assurance. You need to receive Christ into your life and submit your life to Jesus today and let Jesus be your Lord. Let's stand together. Some of us need eternal life assurance. You know, it's interesting how we get so many insurance policies today. How many here have any kind of an insurance policy? Anybody? Sure, most of us. We know what what insurance is. It's preparing. We get insurance because we're preparing for the possibility of some event. Some maybe tragedy that may come. And the the salesman tells us don't delay don't procrastinate because you never know what tomorrow will bring and so you know we spend all that money on the car insurance or the health insurance or or uh, the home insurance even life insurance right because we know for sure someday we're definitely going to die so we have life insurance to provide for our family when when we're we're gone and that's great and I applaud that we have life insurance but what about after this life there's no insurance for that you can't buy eternity insurance but you can receive eternity assurance the assurance that your sins are forgiven and that you have eternal life let's bow our heads together Father in Jesus name Lord Lord I ask that you will speak to our hearts today that you'll open our eyes to see the condition of our soul and that, Lord, if there are any here today that have not surrendered their life to Jesus as Lord, more than just repeating a prayer to ask forgiveness of sins, I'm talking about those that have surrendered their life to Jesus to make Him Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will press upon Upon their soul. the importance of this moment right now to receive Jesus. and receive Jesus as Lord. I want you to slip up your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I need to receive Jesus. I need to receive Jesus. Come on, slip up your hand and say, yeah, that's me. That's me. I need to receive Jesus as Lord in my life. If that's you, just slip that I'm a sinner but I believe that Jesus God the Son died on the cross for my sin come into my life Jesus be my Lord and be my Savior and grant me eternal life help me to live my life with Jesus as my Lord in Jesus name Amen 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 Listen. If that's the first time that you prayed that prayer, if you're watching online, contact the mission church. We want to talk with you and pray with you. If that's the first time you prayed that prayer here in the church, or maybe you rededicated your life. Stop by the welcome center. Let somebody know. Yeah, I prayed that prayer. We have some information we want to give you as well. Father, I pray Your blessing, Lord, upon each of us as we go our separate ways today. Lord Jesus, may the presence of God go with us. Help us to preach the gospel to everyone we meet, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church.